Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The sweet sounds of Kevin Bloody Wilson. It's hump day with Swanee and friends. Samantha Richards, Dane Swan, back from Western Australia to join his own podcast. And guest friend, Nick Maxwell. Hello, Hello boys. How are you? And Sam, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, you can, I can be a boy. That's what you need. <laughs> we, we, uh, we live in a world where world, we, can, yeah, exactly. yeah, we, can live, we can be whatever we want to be. And it's true. I was going to get Dane to introduce you, but last time you had a premiership team, I said, would you like to introduce him? Guess and he said, he's Heath. <laughs> you don't do intros and you don't do asking. <laughs> he's actually, uh, I'm a big podcast listener and he's a real thorn in my side because uh, most of the podcasts I listen to are American, so American sport and yes. particularly NFL football and because they talk so slow and they want to get as much me time as they can, I play it on um, 1.5 yes. so it goes quicker, Yes, but you can't actually play this podcast because Swanee talks so quick, it's like, you can't understand what he's saying, so you actually have to slow it down. So, What's a couple that for our listeners that must listen if they're in the US sports? It's the fantasy football stuff, so I can't give away too much because I play against Dane in some long leagues. So, smug look, I haven't seen that smug look for a bit. Yeah, we've got keeper. Leagues, all my blokes are suspended or out. My good ones, Kamara and Hopkins, they're out for six weeks. Well, Kamara weeks. might be all right. Might get, so. He might get through the season. Washington from Dallas, done his, his effort six to ten. All right, well, I'll, I'm happy to uh, pick, <laughs> pick uh, a few out of your When off is your the draft? Soon. Soon. Well, you keep putting it off. Yeah. We want, I want a Busy few man. practice matches first. <laughs> any, any that you can give out that you listen uh, to? The fantasy footballers I like yep. listening to. Uh, establish the run, establish the edge. So there's a, yeah, yep. there's a few there that are... Good, and then I suppose the other one, which is a bit left field, um, my sister's a criminal psychologist, so um, oh. we've actually got a bit of a tie in uh, in terms of like listening to true crime podcasts. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah we've listened to a, a lot from uh, from overseas with them, so yeah, that's good fun. It's very just popular in a true crime. Oh, I love it. I'm obsessed. It's always good to have in the back of your, in your back of your head too, just in case. Just in case. Yeah. 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 When we started this, Dane was prepared to kill someone just to prove our, our, our rankings. <laughs> I, I still am. Well, it's, it might even go out now with the, the Hunted, the show that's been mm. yeah, on yeah. Channel Ten. So mm. now people, I don't get that because they're giving secrets out. This is how well, we track it. What's the Hunted? Basically, there's. Does anyone watch Seven Nine or Ten anymore? Unless it's. Well, only on apps I watch it. Yeah, yeah, I don't actually have don't even have the satellite anymore. But um, basically, they've had twenty one days to escape you and a friend, and and they're tracking you. Who's get like on the police are just catching you? Yeah, yep, yep. They get away. Oop, they found date on the couch <laughs> watching TV. <laughs> 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 Did everyone get away? No, nah, it's still going. So yeah, there's a few few left, but 
Dangerous okay. wouldn't he wouldn't answer the door. It's like when the drug test <laughs> yeah. is going. Just knock on the door and he wouldn't answer the door. So yeah, what what happens if they caught everyone in the first episode? That'd be a short series. Very true. They probably just fumble their way <laughs> through yeah, the first couple of days. Yeah, to make sure. yeah well, exactly. Uh, so, well, actually, I, I should backtrack a little bit. You just opened the door to something there. You, you, your sister's a criminal psychologist. Yes. Did that often help you being captain? Well, it should have because uh, we had a few criminals <laughs> running around in our team. But <laughs> I, uh, I didn't lean on her too much then. Right. She was doing her PhD, so uh, she had a bit more time to go. But, um, yeah, it's, it's always uh, good fun, I guess, working in any industry with a lot of different personalities. And a football club, I guess, has more um, different personalities than anywhere, uh, just the different backgrounds everyone comes from. And obviously I had a small group led by the man uh, across the table from me who uh, – yeah, took that to the extreme at times. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it coincidental that you, you've you've been very nice of you to, to join us, but you've done it after you've left Collingwood Football Club? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you haven't got an official position. You yeah. haven't asked me yet. Yeah, Dan <laughs> asked me before that, so I was always happy to, to help an old teammate out. But um, yeah, I mean. I think most of his stories have been told. He's only done about 60,000 yeah. uh, <laughs> different sportsman's nights. and There's 17,000 left, mate. So I had a look. Yeah, I'm ticking and them then, off. And then <laughs> they've all forgotten about yeah, you, so exactly. you start doubling up. So you're yeah, sweet. He's got it sorted. Stuff up. <laughs> so, I, you know, if you, if you picture you, um, hard bastard, uncompromising, uh, Collingwood Premiership captain, the biggest surprise of you from him, you made his off-field team of the century. I know, and it's one of the proudest mm. moments yeah. of my life. <laughs> People talk about all your awards and that, and yeah. I saw that I made his on-field team, and I was wrapped with that, and then I looked across, and there was an off-field team, and I was yeah, in the same position, so I was pumped. Wow. Was well, well, recap. Why, why did It wasn't so much for his in-season work. Right. Well, it certainly wasn't. <laughs> it was for his, his um, out-of-season work. Right. Well, I think Maxie obviously had some res- a bit more responsibilities than... <laughs> Than us Did you? during the season, yes, um, and obviously that's why he was our captain. But led on the field as well as he led off it at the end of the season. Right. Like was was um, work yeah, out play was hard. very good about getting everyone involved, making sure everyone was there. And he would he would be there for like the moment we had to be till as long as he could possibly go, and then back up the next day. So where a lot of a lot would only just come in, and then that'd be it for the week. But he'd be there. You know, until sort of everything for the week, where whatever we had organised, you'd be there. So, um, and was enjoyable. Yeah, it was fun to be. I'd around. managed to get through. I'd, I'd get through sort of whatever two o'clock in the morning, maybe, and I'd be going home, and I'd get my six or eight hours, and I'd come meet these guys who hadn't been to bed yet. So, um, <laughs> as as the, the week went on, I got a bit more sleep, and that helped me a little bit more. So, yeah, that was probably the thing that uh, that saved me. Did you have a coping mechanism for for being out with them when you thought, well, no, I can't keep up, or just leave? No, well, I mean, if it's just on the beers and everything, I'm fine. I can keep up. But yeah. it's more they switch over to vodkas and Red Bulls and that sort of thing, and that's not my go. So, yeah, it, once once we get through the beers, I'm sort of – that's the enemy. So the starting point, Dane always says that uh, Williamstown reserves reserves and, yeah. and 20,000 people were there watching because they all knew that Dane was going to make it when he was sitting on the bench in the Williamstown reserves yeah. reserves. true. But you guys were teammates at – premiership teammates at Williamstown. We were, we were, yeah. We, uh, um, It'll be a 20-year reunion next year, won't it? Well, are we? 2003, yeah, it will be. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, we played <sighs> together and, um, and we oh, actually – That makes me feel old. <laughs> I was going to say. There was quite a lot of, I guess, Collingwood's younger players who played in the reserves reserves. Um, I actually never played the reserves. Yeah. I know that you did. So 
There's one yeah. thing I've got over you on my career. <laughs> <laughs> on but your um, Wikipedia page. Yeah. <laughs> I'd played a year of VFL already at North right. Ballarat as well. So I was uh, I was that sort of um, season older, I guess. Um, and as we know, early in Dane's career, he didn't take things too seriously. Um, <laughs> well, as an insider, yeah. <laughs> what, can you, what can you share about him not taking things oh, too seriously? I'm, sh- I'm sure we've heard all these stories about Correct. Uh, so I want to hear from yeah, you. The, f- the, f- the first, um, well, the first 12 months I wasn't there. He, he came to, to Collingwood before I did. So um, I've only heard the stories secondhand, but they're obviously very good, particularly with the draft one where most players who, who wait their whole career to get drafted uh, he got the call he was up at schoolies and he said yeah no worries I'll see you in a week and uh, they're like no no come back now and he said no I'll see you in a week so um, the time and, and then showed the up time. showed up very hungover to his first training session yeah. as well so I think that's where uh, set the bar low. John yeah. Owen Taz put the arms around him yeah. and, uh, and looked after him early on uh, so good. did you ever um, race down to Williamstown with us we did, yeah. We used yeah. to uh, we used to have a, a whiteboard. This is this is a I guess the professionalism. We're at Vic Park, and um, obviously the, the big boys got looked after. And then there was about ten or twelve who were playing in the reserves, who were basically Williamstown, who were never part of selection. And um, we just go in two o'clock in the afternoon, and there'd just be a whiteboard with the weights on there, and no one to supervise or anything like that. So. It was- it was um, glorious. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to do a thing. <laughs> I did every weight and well, did what did, I was trying to do. You were supposed to, but yeah. you just didn't. No one, no one gave a fuck about you. Like, did you ever get kicked off the track? Uh, did Mick ever no, kick I think she didn't get invited to the track. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like pre-season and that. Like, you fuck up a couple of kicks, Mick would be like, that's it, get him off. Yeah. You uh, stuff up training. Yeah, he'd be like, yeah, right. Get him off. <laughs> and you'd just like, I'd be like, what? And you'd stick your head back up the race. Get off. <laughs> and you just walk down the race and be like, what the fuck am I doing now? And he goes, well, nothing. You're done. So, like, you just, imagine doing that now. Oh, God. Well, we'd finish our weights and then we'd drive down to Williamstown to train with, yeah. uh, and meet all, obviously, the Williamstown players. And um, we'd stop at the, get some chips Chip. and gravy at the chicken shop. <laughs> Real professional. On the corner. Yeah, well. oh, that's so good. Yeah, sit <laughs> chips and gravy, just smash that can of Coke and then go down and train at Willie. It was, um, and both teams won the premiership. Yeah. <laughs> Willie, so. Yeah. And then the senior boys obviously uh, played in the grand final that year, mm. so. Um, yeah, I was on a rookie on uh, 18 grand before tax, so I had to work on my day off as well. Uh, worked at Telstra and then um, went on to 25 grand, another rookie contract the next year, and so I sacked Telstra and, yeah, <laughs> um, and was lucky enough to sort of debut halfway through that year. And um, yeah, we sort of played together for, for 10 years after that. So, what was, what was your uh, schooly draft type experience compared to Dane's? Oh, geez. I, uh, well, I'd tried out with. Um, Port Adelaide and Hawthorne the year before and uh, had missed out. So I went when to... When you North try out, what does that mean? It's the pre-season? For, nah, for a rookie list. So I so said we'd look for, your, for a rookie right. list. Yeah. Um, and then I went Port Adelaide. I got the doctor diagnosed me with osteitis pubis, which I had no idea what it was and no one knew what it was. And then all of a sudden, every second person had it. Uh, so I went and trained with Hawthorne for a month and then missed out there. Got into uni in Ballarat. Because footy wasn't, I was never someone who's gonna make it, and yeah, yeah obviously you lost him there. Yeah, yeah I missed Dane. Well, we're talking about math science, aren't we? So. Got it. Is that where you got it? <laughs> um, played for the Roosters down there for a year, and then trained with Geelong for a rookie list at the end of that year. And um, and Bomber told me last day, nah, we're not going to take you. So I was sort of Fuck. that was the end of it. Um, that so must have been shit though, right? Because this is like yeah. what three teams now. Is there ever a point where you're like, fuck, maybe I'm just not going to make it? Um, and give the, up? Well, there is there is that, but you sort of what's in your control. You either keep pushing or you give up. And yeah. I sort of wanted it that bad that I kept pushing. And mm. um, this was only about five days before Christmas because it's been pushed back to rookie list. And I was actually going to meet all my mates in Geelong for a Christmas beer or from school. And I got a text message from a mate and said, "Well done the draft." And Mum was driving me in, and I'm sort of looking at my phone and read it out to her, and I said, "What's I read it out?" She pulled across three lanes of traffic and almost <laughs> killed us and put up the handbrake. <laughs> Go rim. 
I rang him up and said, mate, what, what was that all about? And he said, um, oh, Collingwood picture. I was like, no, no, I haven't spoken to Colin for 18 months, which was true. And um, anyway, I went back and forth. And I said, listen, I'll see you in a minute. I'm, I'm on my way in. And I hung up. I had four voicemail messages. I'm like, what is going on here? And the first one said, Noel Judkins, recruiting officer from Collingwood, on a welcome to the club. And my mate said a couple hours head start on me, so I just thought it was a stitch up. They grabbed some old guy in the pub and just like, <laughs> ring him up and say this. So I deleted it. <laughs> went to the next one, said there's Mick Malthouse from the Collingwood Footy Club. I'm like, yeah, bullshit, and I deleted that as well. I went to the third one, it was a player manager, Peter Linton, I'd signed with 18 months before, and he's going, you fucking beauty, how good's this? And screaming down the phone, and I thought my mates wouldn't even know who that was, and um, the fourth one was, was Bucks, who was the captain, that's how I found out I got there, so... Um, yeah, I was uh, I was there. Did you go and have that beer, or did you turn around? No, nah, we did because we, I didn't have to be there. It was a Friday, so I didn't have to be there till the Monday. Um, yeah. yeah, so I went there on the Monday. Just had one training session. We just had a because it was right at the end of the year, so um, went and did. It was good. It was a time trial. So one of your favourites. Um, yeah, around Princess Palace. Oh, so yeah, yeah that, training session, and yeah. then that was the end of it. So I have a question. Yes. You've got four missed calls on your phone as uh, a rookie. From a club that you hadn't really spoken to, yep. they're Mick Malthouse and Nathan Buckley had told them, do you return those phone calls? Well, I'd already deleted the <laughs> Noel <laughs> Judkins and the Mick Malthouse, yeah. so um, the did Buckley one I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I didn't know what to do, so I actually had to ring the manager back and say, can you get Noel Judkins' <laughs> phone, phone number, number for me? Because I'd already <laughs> deleted it. So, uh, yeah, that's how I got my foot in the door, I what guess. What kind of phones you have? Oh, geez, it'd be, it would be a Nokia with Snake by then. Yeah, I mean, 32 yeah. times in a day. Yeah. Yeah. Was yeah. that the flip? No, nah. no. It's just like your brick. Oh, yeah. 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 So um, what was Collingwood like when you walked in? What what Describe the Collingwood that you first saw. Uh, look, it was – Vic Park was nothing flash. There was yeah. floods and rats and mould and it was pretty gross. <laughs> Steve McKee, um, Legionnaire's disease yeah, in the Yeah, that was the year before me. So yeah. um, there wasn't much there and uh, like wet carpets everywhere and smell, like that musty smell. So, um, But I actually – I loved it because – a year later, a year and a half later, we moved to what was the Lexus Centre, brand new facility, and you had a real appreciation for that because you'd been at Vic mm, Park before yeah. that. Um, and and also, you do understand the, the history, and I guess for me, I didn't know. I grew up in Ocean Grove and Barrack for Hawthorne, so I knew nothing about Collingwood Footy Club. Um, so the, the big thing for me was trying to find out, right, what's this all about? Like, Gavin Brown was one of my early coaches, so I went and read his book, and then um, people talking about Darren Mullane. I'm like, who the hell is Darren Mullane? So I went and read his book, so I was just wanting to find out a bit... I'm sure Dan did exactly yeah, the same thing. Exactly, <laughs> the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly the same. Um, so I just wanted to learn more about it, and I guess for me, because I had a one-year contract, it was, and because I'd been overlooked those those times, it was like, right, you got 12 months, give it your best crack, and you'll probably be in Ballarat at the end of the year because we hadn't really, there wasn't a lot of rookies weren't really viewed as they are now. They're viewed as an extension of your list now, but back then it was just like. You're a pleb. Yeah, yeah you're a pleb. Yeah, you, you're on the end. So um, I was just have a crack and, and see if you can make it. rookie with you? Oh, wow. I've got uh, Jason Rowe, Stevie yeah. Eichner, Tom Hooker. Um, I don't want to miss any. The draftees were Bo Nixon, Luke Mullins, Luke Shackleton, David King. It's an awesome draft for us. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, well, did any – well, King, he played a couple. Bo played a handful. Yep. Luke Mullins, played, he might have played one. He played one. Shaq's played a couple. But it ended up there was there was three years in the end where it was um, you myself then he Shaw yeah there was three left out of like twenty eight mm. within three years so it was and, and like the club still managed to turn it around pretty yeah. quickly after that so um, I yeah. remember about Luke Shackman as well we were running doing the time trial up the tan 
And he ran past me running backwards. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? He goes, oh, my quads are sore. <laughs> he's, running, he's running up the hill backwards in a time trial. Past you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> past the Brownlow medalist. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, my quads are sore, bro. I was like, okay. <laughs> Keep going, you're going. You're not going too bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you turn around and try it yourself. <laughs> but what what do you think it was important to immerse yourself in the in the history of the club compared to, let's say, someone who didn't? Uh why the the thing that sort of struck me was so many people contacted me and contacted my family about Collingwood. Yeah. About being Collingwood supporters. Oh, I'm so excited and all that. And I'd never really had anything to do with any Collingwood supporters growing up down in Ocean Grove and, and obviously having um and not barracking for the club, so I didn't know anyone. So all of a sudden, all these people came to the woodwork and their passion and what it meant to them. And and then obviously with Gavin Brown being one of my coaches, I was like, all right, I want to find out more about him. And so and once once I found out more about him, then I was like, I was really it was interesting and in what type of player was and how highly regarded he was. So then you want to find out more about others. So you found about Mullane and, and his story, and obviously because he had passed away, what why there was no number forty two. So. I don't know, it was just a sort of a passion project. Yeah. I enjoyed learning more and understanding, also understanding why you were hated. Like, even before you played a game, anyone, oh, you mm. played for Colin, oh, you hated. Like, it was something that I didn't understand and didn't really, yeah, comprehend. So, obviously, when um, when you made captain the calling, well, that goes to the next level. There's 20 million people that <laughs> yeah. hate you, not just uh, the handful, so. And why did yeah. you choose not to immerse yourself? <laughs> so, probably the same. I thought I'd only be there a year too, so why fucking do I, why should I care? <laughs> Yeah, It'd be a waste of reading. Yeah, well, exactly. Oh, I'll only be there for a year. I'm, you had learn have to learn how to read. Um, all I read was uh, night drink cards at nightclubs. That's about all I was doing. When, when, when did you know you were um, you you were good enough to be at, at the elite level? When, oh, In, from yourself. The first time I probably felt comfortable was after I was an All Australian. Right. So yeah, mm, that was probably the first time I really felt comfortable. What, what year would that have been? That was two thousand nine. Yep. So actually. Um, Dane rolled me in the best and fairest. So it was uh, every other year before and after that I would have won it. But I come up against a <laughs> hot red hot Dane Swan. So, um, yeah, that was probably the only the first time I went, okay, now I feel comfortable. Now it's more on my terms in terms of where my career goes. Like if it, do, if it goes in the wrong direction, it's, it's my fault. Um, up until that stage, I was like, it was sort of the first half of my career was trying to prove people wrong. Yep. The second half was trying to prove people right. Yep. And I guess once you became captain and... Um, just like a lot of people internally at the club thought, geez, I don't know if this is the right call for him to be captain. Um, I was like, all right, I need to prove these people right who have put the faith in me and trust in me. And that was teammates who believed in me, but it was also staff and obviously Mick and, and Eddie and board members who had signed off on it. So, um, yeah, that was the second half. So when you became captain, was it a surprise to you or were you like, finally they're seeing me for what I can produce? Massive surprise, oh, yeah. Really? Yep, yep. I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if Dane thought the same but um, I know a lot of teammates did they thought oh I don't know if that's the right way and there was actually I think it was something like 18 players on the list older than me mm-hmm. so it was sort of also a bit uncomfortable like all right, well how do I lead these people who have so much more life experience mm-hmm. and, and understand and are way better players than me how do I try and bring that together which was something that was tough for me so I don't know if yeah what you thought you were probably as shocked as anyone who who, who are you up against Burns, Burns? Was, uh, it was Fraze Tarks yeah. Pendle yeah. Um, Shane O'Bree uh, yeah. I think Pebs was still there for one year. We probably thought Pendles was going to get there at some stage, yeah. but probably was a bit young. But um, no, I was I was comfortable with it. I'd known you for a while, and I've always said Maxie's the best leader I've ever played under um, out of them all. Um, but I think it was they. I'm not sure if they took a risk, but 
Um, I think you probably bridge the gap between the older blokes and the younger blokes. Probably the best. It's probably yeah, why. It's probably why you. I don't know why they probably picked you more. And Mick obviously had his reasons. And Mick was very good at identifying things like that. And we didn't have a leading teams type um, vote <laughs> back yep. then. So yep. it was probably. I'd imagine why you've probably seen that you could bridge the gap between the young kids and the older ones. And you played at halfback and you were vocal out in the field where a lot of us played, you know, by exam, you know. Around the ball. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it was also a bit of a change of mindset in AFL footy, wasn't it? Like you, Richie Vandenberg, Tom Harley, you yeah. know, it wasn't necessarily the best player. Well, up until then, the culture in AFL footy was just give it to the best player. Yeah, spot on. And that's probably why I've, ne- I've only captained one team in my life. <laughs> because <laughs> before that, I was never the best player. So I was never a captain. So I didn't really know. And that probably became an advantage for me because I didn't try and be what a textbook told me to be or what someone else told me to be. It was just who I was. So, And that has warts, but it also has, um, I think, more strengths to it because you're not trying to... like. Everyone can see through you. They can see through you if you're if you're talking shit or you're not who you say you are or you don't do what you say we should be doing. Um, so that was probably something that helped me. I think. Have you have you heard the book The Captain's Class? I have. Yeah, I've read you it. Read it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. Fantastic. Yeah, it's isn't amazing. It? Yeah. yeah, and and it's the 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 premise is along what we've spoken about, but also the the Dane Swan types. Yep. You, you want them to just run in the burning building and do something impossible because that they're the people who win your games. You don't need them to be captain. 100%. And that's sort of something I've always spoken about with our 2010 and, and sort of the year before and year after when we had sort of success without winning it was that um, we had a lot of role players who understood their role and would do anything just to do their role which would allow the stars to shine. Um, so we had a lot who would cover... So these guys didn't have to chase as hard or didn't have to defend as hard um, because they could go win the game for you. And we knew that, particularly in our back sort of group, um, there was a lot of guys there who went, nah, we'll do what we need to do and we'll be the tightest group ever. Um, You won't break us as an opposition because we need to do, we need to cover for these guys, allow them to go and shine. And I felt like that that was something that, and Mick was great at it because he was a role player when he he came through. So that was sort of good for him because he understood that. He knew that these guys, we needed these guys to shine, keep looking at him, but him and others, um, to, to actually do that for us. How much fun was it when, when you know, and Didac and those type of guys who, who did shine? When oh, it was amazing, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, like, you'd come back to the back line, obviously, after a goal, and we'd be shaking our head laughing at some of the stuff that would happen. Um, yeah, with Dids and, and Daisy and, and obviously, um, with Dane, Heath would obviously be a part of it, but he sort of he's a bit in between. He could he could do the the shiny stuff and, and yep. do the skilled stuff, but then also um, he knew in his heart he was a defender down there with us. But mm. um, at the same time, there would be whenever whenever games got real tight late in the game, I'd be grabbing him in the middle of the ground and going, "Righto, Swanee, this is on you, mate. This is when the big boys shine." And um, and every time mm. he'd come through for us, he'd burst out of the center and he'd set one up for us, or he'd kick it himself. Um, you, so you mentioned Heath again. You sp- Pioneer with the captain side of things, but also back then it was unusual to see some vigorous discussion between teammates out in the field. Yeah, for sure, and it was um, <laughs> he was one of my favourite players to play with because yeah. uh, and and we're still good mates now, and it was because his desire to win, um, like I, I felt like I had such a competitive nature, and everything I do is I want to win, and. He was he matched that, so he wanted to win as well. So I understood it was coming from the right place for the right reason, and probably the. That was 50% of it. The other 50% of it was when he was frustrated about something. He'd be going off at one of our teammates and I'd step in front of him and go, righto, let, let him get it off his chest and then go, right, 
go to your job and then go and give it in a more eloquent um, <laughs> manner to our team. not a word you'd just usually um, associate with Heath, I would imagine. Yeah. No. It, was, it was a bit more, um, I, would, I would give them some feedback that would help them rather than them just being yelled at for a little mm. bit. So, yes. um, But yeah, he was, uh, I love playing with him because he just, and also he got under the opposition um, under their skin a lot, which was sort of something that, again, in elite sport, it's not about domination as much as trying to find percentages here and there and if you can put someone off their game by a couple of percent then that's a huge swing in elite sport so um, I remember even when Butters was coming through our, our uh, head of conditioning and he was talking to us about um, going to Arizona and all those things and that just trying to find a couple of percent here or there and then he would show evidence of that on in our training sessions and that to me was something about that percentage thing and even when uh, 20 say 2009 when he and Mick had gone and watched um, the ice hockey. ice hockey. They've come back and said, all right, on the field, off the field, on the field, off the field. So effectively our back group basically never came off the ground. Yep. And he sold it to, to Dane. And I remember a lot of the other boys weren't getting on board and it was like how many rotations we're going to have. And we basically went from something like 60 to 160. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they put Dane's profile up on the, on the board and said, righto, he's had the – the most disposals, most kicks, most inside 50s, and, and just went through all these things where he's first in the league. And then they put up a second slide and said, and he's number one for rotations. So he's out there. He powers, he blows himself up, comes off, has a rest, then comes and does the same thing on and off. And then all the boys were just like, there'd be 15 guys sprinting towards the bench just trying to get <laughs> off after a goal. So Most rotated man in the league for about three or four years. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Start on the bench sometimes, which... You know, initially, yeah, what the fuck am I doing? But <laughs> man, you're only on there for two and a half minutes. You'd say, so Collingwood probably ruined football because now the yep. rotation, because I don't know why people thought it was an ugly sight, but um, yeah, I remember me coming back. And they loved, I saw you thought they had so much power and they s- try to sell it to you. It's like, you know, initially you're like, mate, I don't come off the ground. I'll go forward or something like that. But then um, you, you, pl- you train it in the off season then. It works. It's a good way to break a tag as well. Yeah. Um, if you were getting tagged, then they have to make a decision. They come off and on, and then you'd go on. And you might get an extra. You might get two minutes on. We can get a couple of cheap ones and just get yourself, get some confidence up. So it worked. Um, and you know, Max Utah wasn't a great like long middle distance long run. I just mentally, I just get too bored and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't <laughs> run. I, I couldn't run at the same pace like a steel or a Pendlebury or something. I can just run. You know, Robert Harvey just run consistently all day. I, I just couldn't do it. But I, what I could do is go hard, and I, and I could recover quickly. So that's that's just and they molded the midfield stuff around me. So the mids and forwards would come off all that, and the backs would usually stay on and do their job. Uh, you mentioned Arizona. So um, what would you think of a teammate who who just wouldn't not listen to music because he'd get too bored and then have to do extras? <laughs> Which Aaron? What story is that? No, when we um, when Mick when we weren't like you know how Mick always said no headphones up the mountain. Oh yes, sorry, yes, 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 yes. Well, <laughs> tell tell the story first, just for people who haven't heard um, it. Uh, so Mick, I don't know. Mick had this huge thing about you know n- no headphones going when we we're hiking because I mean he must have wanted us to talk or something like that. But <laughs> after the first hour, you're that fucked. Like you just you all you're doing is looking at people's feet. Like when you're hiking for eleven hours. Was it fourteen the first one? Yeah, exactly. So like, mate, you got nothing to say to anyone <laughs> after about three hours in. You just like backpack on, and then we're going up Humphrey. They are like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm willing to cop the punishment. I'm willing to cop it. Like I can't, I can't do another six eight hours of anything without listening to music. So headphones in, and I would have got away, but then a couple of people copied me. 
And then we got in tr- and then I was willing to cop the punishment and then Mick obviously the next day put us all in the room and yell and you know, called everyone fucking idiots and then just <laughs> well, when I when I, I think it was like Calf, Benny Sinclair, a couple of young fellas and then he just got to me and you know, he didn't really say much, but it's like you know, pretty much they you they did it because you did it. Um, I was like, righto, so uh, which is fair enough. I was like, you know, they're adults. Um, then we got hammered the next day um, after training when you were all standing there watching us do that. That's right, up and backs. Yeah, and I just, I, I was always like, you know what? This is my my struggles. I'm not going to see them me hurting. I'm going to laugh and smile my way through this whole fucking punishment. That's exactly what I did. I've never, I was absolutely cooked. I was hurting like you were, but I was like, nah, absolutely <laughs> worth it. So, I, so no, such an I said this was absolutely worth the butters. And in the end, they could help but sort of smile, but they punished us like proper. I was absolutely fucked. I was like, that was worth every second of listening to those, that music up there. Like an extra 20 minutes of running. And it fucked me, but I was like, I'm not going to let them see me hurt. That's, that's what I did. And your memories? <laughs> yeah, no, I do remember it. Um, oh, I think that's Dane. He always, if he knew he was going to um, break a rule or push a boundary, he'd analyse the ramifications of that and he'd go, yeah, I'm willing to do that if, if that comes. So, um, unfortunately, one day we are, the two of us, we are good mates, but um, we had to have a real uncomfortable conversation <laughs> when uh, he'd have a five-day break and um, obviously we had team rules around that, which we'd set at the start of the year and he showed up um, still very drunk to a training <laughs> session on a Monday morning. And uh, I, but I didn't even, I hadn't seen him, but I had about six teammates come up and go, mate, you've got to go see Swanee. And I'm like, well, it can't be that bad. And then I went and saw him. I was like, yeah, it's that I bad. Ben jo- <laughs> I was Ben Johnson's fault. Oh. No, no, you know what? I don't, you know what? I'm not going to blame Jono. <laughs> you know, so you know whose fault it was? I blame my mate's parents. <laughs> because? Because it was his birthday. Right. Right. And. I had to go to his birthday party. <laughs> so if he it's had, not, it's not if my the birthday f- was a different day. Correct. Right. Yeah. Correct. So it's not my fault <laughs> that his birthday fell on that Sunday night. If he had been the week before or a Tuesday or you know, whatever it was, so I blame his parents. And, not and, my fault. And it would have actually it wouldn't have been too bad. It was like right, two game suspension. He was flying at that stage. Um, but he'll still win all his awards and still do all that. But we find out later that he it cost him the Brownlow yeah, for a exactly. second crack. So you know, yeah. he was one vote behind in the Brownlow Cross middle. And yeah. and I missed like five games indivi- that year, four and a half games. You like your individual awards? Well, now I do. <laughs> <laughs> now I do. But you wouldn't even know where they all are. I've been nah. to a house and I'm going, nah, have you got this, you got that? And you they, go, they're everywhere. Yeah, parents got the premiership medal, I hope. Um, <laughs> Brownlow, I could find, I reckon I'll give me a couple... Give me four or five different spots, I'd be able to find it. Um, when you were moving in your house, I went over there and there was the all Australian thing has these like glass curves. So that's, that's I've got one, so I make <laughs> sure that it's really well looked after. Um, he's just, all the glass was smashed off him, it was in half, it was all over the place. I'm just like, this guy's won so many things. Actually, there's still, um, there was still a watch, a tag watch or something from the Herald Sun or something that some award you won years ago. That was at the club. I only got told this this year. Oh, thanks for the footy club. I fucking just rat hold it. It was about 10 years ago or something like that. And, and someone goes, Oh, Swanee's got enough watches. He doesn't need it. No, one of the players took it. Away. I don't know <laughs> um, I actually went into the club the other week and they give me that little premiership cup. That's right. I saw yeah. that. I saw that in the cupboard as well. That's been yeah. there 12 What's years. That for being yeah. a player. Like, they, we, all got, we all got these little, like. Just a replica mini yeah. premiership yeah. cup. Yeah. yeah. And then I forgot it walking out again. <laughs> 
life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Oh my god. <laughs> there you go, Mason. You're the fuck I'll take it. <laughs> so you, you get the premiership at the midpoint of your career. What what was the um mindset leading into that uh, as becoming it's actually our team now and, and you know, you mentioned some of the, the gr- including greats like Buckley and Clement that they, they come to the end of the team and their career rather and you had to just take it over. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, there's twenty two who get to win a, a premiership in that team, but there's so many people that have such a big influence on that, and quite often you look at like it, we're obviously both big NFL fans, and you see that everyone gets a ring. Yeah. Who was part of that? Um, even if you're in the squad and didn't even play, I think you get one. Um, that's obviously because the owners are billionaires and they're happy to, <laughs> to buy them all. Um, so there's that influence, but there's also like I feel I could never have had the career I had or been able to know what to do or how to lead if. It wasn't for Bucks and Clement and Wakeland and Rocker and Burns and Lockyer and O'Brien and Fraser and all these guys who helped me. Um, Presti, who pulled out the week before with a quad injury, so it's sort of a it's always about timing and, yeah. and timing is a really interesting one. And James Clement would have been captain of the club, um, but his wife got sick, and so he actually retired prematurely to go and look after her. Um, so there's a lot of things that go on and. Ultimately, I think it's just you've just got to be in the right place at the right time. But um, also, you, you need to be able to bring it all together at the right time. You need a bit of luck. Um, sometimes it's a bounce of the ball. Um, and then other times there are things that are in your control that you just need to be um, do the right thing. And I think we, we brought it all together at the right time. And unfortunately, the next year we lost to one team for the whole year. They beat us three times, including the grand final. So um, that was probably one that we felt we probably... It, it got away a little bit and there was some some injuries that happened going into the final series and some guys that were carried through. So um, that was a disappointing one. So even now you look at the teams who you guys are, are the punters who go, well, literally punters, um, who could win it and who do I want my money on? There's two or three injuries at the wrong time and you can basically wipe out a whole team's chances after all the work they've done up to around 20-something that we're in now. And, of course, you're not allowed to have a bet on footy, or you weren't? Well, for 20 years I wasn't. It's a funny story, actually. I was... Um, I haven't been able to bet, obviously, and um, I was on Saturday night. I was with my old man. It was, uh, we went down. It was his birthday during the week, so we went down there to Geelong and sitting around the fire having a red wine. And he goes, "Oh, I'm going to. Um, I'm putting on a multi on his on the on the um, footy." And I was like, "Oh, actually, I can do that now. Yeah, I'll do it." And I jumped on. I went to put on a same game multi and um, wouldn't go through. And I was like, "What's going on here?" So I went and did an NRL one just to see if it was what it was my whole account and what was happening and. That didn't work. Sorry, that did work. So I was like, what's going on? It must be a, a ban or something. So I ended up, I rang, rang the uh, betting company during the week and said, is there some sort of ban on my account? And they're like, yeah, you actually, because you're in football, we, we've banned you, so you can't put any bets on. So uh, it's a good thing because obviously yeah. if people stuff up uh, or yeah. get pissed or do the wrong thing when they're, they're not thinking about it, that's good. But 
I actually have to get a formal letter of um, <laughs> of release from the club, yeah. which I, I haven't managed to do yet. So permission slip. Yeah, I might have to. Uh, More importantly, what did the multi have got up? <laughs> I didn't even look because I didn't want to know. Yeah, to be honest, okay. same game or yeah, it was the same okay. game. So um, yeah, very rarely they get up. <laughs> I'll see. You. Well, that's the thing. Obviously, do you put out your your, your top tips. I know, like, yeah, put them all, R- put R- them all Ralphie out. sells all his, uh, yeah, no, we put he sells all. his top stuff and then he gives out his second <laughs> rate just to no, all the mates no, that text him. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we put them out. Um, all of them. Yeah, no, I like Swans this week, the Belt North. Righto. That's his yeah. best bet. Yeah. Mm. Um, so we're going to play the hits, of course. So back to the Premiership winning uh, experience. Yep. Talk us through it for you in, in, uh, in whatever you want to say about uh, it. It was probably for me, it was more relief than anything, particularly after the week before when we, we almost stuffed it up, when we had um, plenty of opportunity, particularly in the early in the game, to really put them away. Um, and we didn't, and then they hung in there. So um, we we're lucky to get away with the draw in the end. Um, but for me, it was sort of relief that we got one because you feel the pressure of all the supporters and letting everyone down and even even the staff and support staff who were just as invested as you are but they sort of don't have as much influence so um, it was relief was a big feeling that I had uh, and then I was actually lucky enough to go um, while Dane was probably on his 14th Vegas trip mm-hmm. um, I, I actually went through country Victoria with the Premiership Cup for about nice. sort of two, two weeks and just went to all the little country towns and there'd be like people lined up for hours and I stood with like 70, 80 year old men who bawling their eyes out, like shaking, holding the cup, going, you understand how much this means? Or like, I can die happy now and this type of thing. And you're just like, like we're just playing footy. Yeah. Um, and we obviously it means a lot to us, but at the same time to see the influence it had on other people, that was probably the most special thing for me to see that that's what it meant to them. And, and obviously you're not, we're not enthralled in the history because you used to be, you grow up in a zone, you'd bake for that team, if you played AFL football, that was the team in that zone. So if you were good enough, they'd pick you and you'd play. So you knew everything about the club. As of sort of the draft coming in, you get drafted from anywhere. So you probably only had four or five guys on your list who barracked for that team who understood the history, and most of them was because they were father-sons. So you didn't know anything about the history of the team. So I knew everything about the history of the Hawthorne Footy Club through the 80s and 90s because that's who I grew up barracking for. So um, you don't understand the collie wobbles. You don't understand the pain of... Um, the grand finals that we apparently should have won and um, when Carlton rolled us um, when we were miles 40 points up or something at half time and won the grand final all these stories that come out later you're not influenced or affected by that because you don't know anything about it so um, all the supporters are though and yeah. they've been through that heartache time and time again and they're, and they're thinking here we go again when the when in the drawn mm. one we're going to lose it here we go again and whereas we're not we're just like all right we'll We'll, we'll shut the door on that. It's well, half time. And we'll last come year, I, I lost it twice as a demon supporter. One was when after Maxi Gord's goal after the siren at Geelong that put us into that top two position. I think, or might have confirmed the top position. Yep. But um, but Christian Petrarca afterwards saying about supporters. My thing was as a supporter. You don't have to care about us. You just have to worry about doing your job. But yep. it is that fine line, isn't it? But yeah. the D's did embrace the supporters last year. Well, it's probably more because they'll people like stop you in the street yeah. and talk to you about it, and they probably. They just want to have a conversation, but it's also they start talking about, oh, Dada, this did you know that? Oh, I was there when this happened, and you're like, yeah, right. Well, how does that help us right now? That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah so players don't need need to, but it's good if they do. Correct. Yeah, yeah. and I think um, it doesn't add any extra motivation to to us going out there and playing the game of football. Yeah. But in, on reflection later on, that certainly helped me appreciate more what we'd done and who was grateful for that. Yeah, well, the real. Die-hard supporters probably care more about winning the flag than the players 
on game day because we just get drafted in there. Well, obviously, we love the club and belief, blah, blah, blah. But oh, these people have fucking loved it from birth and like their week basically hangs on the balance of whether we win or lose or their mood and stuff like that. So, like, yeah, I un- fully understand that the supporters, some, you know, the real diehard supporters actually care more about winning or losing than, than we do. Like, winning the flag yeah. meant more to them. Like, our life will go on. Like, some people only play four years, win the flag, and then they they just move on and it's just, it's just piss up every year where fucking the next 50 <laughs> years of their life, it's Collingwood black and white. Some people play footy, love it, you know, use, see it as a job, win a flag, great, blah, 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 we'll celebrate, and then people move on to other facets of their life and don't really give a fuck about AFL where these supporters, like, we go, but they still love – they didn't love us. They love the, the jumper and yes. they don't give a fuck mm-hmm. who's playing for them as long as they win. So, like, you know, they still care just as much as Collingwood now. Like, I don't – I love the club, but I don't care as much about them winning as I did in 2010 yeah. or 2011 or 12 when I was playing. Like, obviously I want them to win, but if they lose, I'm like, oh, well. Well, you know, I'm, I'd much prefer them to win, but I don't care as much as the person who's loved them from day dot and yes. fucking cries and, like, oh – Maybe if my son gets a bit older and he starts crying if he's mad Collingwood, I might be up more upset, but like Well, you were definitely competitive and, and you loved winning, but at the same yeah. time, um the the uh, consistently every single game we'd go in the rooms, win, lose or draw, and he'd be exactly the same. And you'd see him straight away open the phone and start trolling through Twitter and he'd just start reading out all the abuse. Because <laughs> yeah. And it was it's actually it's a real credit to, to Dane and it's a lesson for a lot of younger players yes. now that they take every single mm, every, they read yeah. everything, all the insults and it can really affect mm. them whereas we're not allowed phones in the rooms anymore, are they? Nah, after to, after the game's no. finished, yeah, they'll get them back. Yeah, and rehab yeah. and stuff for that, but like Trav. Fucking this, I cop that. Yeah. And I mean, John and I on away games, we used to room together. Mate, we'd what was that? There's a footy website where they can get on like a like a blog. Where they, I can't remember what it's big footy. Yeah, that might be. It. Yeah, and we we just especially when we lost. Me and John would look on like the big footy and look, click on the Collingwood one. And mate, some of the comments were fucking hilarious. They weren't very nice. Like you, you had to be in a right frame of mind to like you couldn't if you were a bit mentally fragile. But fuck, they were funny. Um, it was very funny, but. I, 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 I cried after one game when I got had five kicked on me. Yeah. yeah. When I'm my first. Yeah. Who kicked him? Uh, I think it was Uzo. I was going to say Adam Uzo. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm not born, but I had like tears in my eyes because I was just so flattered myself. Um, that was the only time. So, although I wasn't a fucking part of the side and I'd had five kicks, so I might lose my spot. But, um, that was the only time. The re- once like, I could then you thought about chips and gravy. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. I guess as a player, though, it's not in your best interest to be as invested in the outcome because, like, the, the old cliche, oh, we're looking, you know, one game at a time. If if you guys do go home and cry and you, you lose your marbles over losing that one game, you're not going to get up and play to your best the next week, right? Yeah. It's, well, I mean, Depends for me, are. yeah, I, I never – I was never nervous for a game and which people sort of find strange. Yeah. But mm. it was because um, I'd – eating the right foods, I knew my role, I'd done the training, I knew the opposition and I was I probably studied the opposition more than everyone else in the whole team combined mm. um, just to know because I needed to know it. I needed to know how they were going to into the 50, mm. how they wanted to kick it, who they were kicking to, et cetera, et cetera. So I need to know all that. Um, but you get to a point where you go, right, I, I'm, I'm going to get beaten like, some days and as long as I wouldn't change anything I'd done for the lead up in that, I can't ask any more of myself. Mm. So if you've got to that okay. point, if you had regrets about I should have done this or I should have done that, that's when you can be pissed off with yourself. But if you'd done everything you possibly could and you felt like you couldn't have done anything different, 
you can't ask any more yourself. And in professional sport, you just you're going to get beaten. Even the the mm. best get beaten. Right. So. Did you ever blame Buddy Franklin? Yeah, I I did, did, you got kicked. You got, you got votes in our best and fairest. I did. Yeah, yeah. He we kicked eight. Yeah. And he got votes in our best yeah. and fairest. Probably should have kicked. 20. Yeah, there was a game um, <laughs> when Hawke went to the East 2008 year when he uh, kicked over a tonne. Oh. And um, we all our key backs were out. So Presty and Wakes and a few others were all out. And I had to play on Buddy. So yeah. I remember I walked down there to the 50 and I lined up on Buddy. And this is when the runner could come up whenever they want. So the runner comes out and circles the other five forwards. They all push right up the ground. <laughs> so there's basically only me and him inside 50. And then come down to Buddy and have a conversation with Buddy. And I just sort of looked across and he had this smile on his face. and so fuck, here we go. So um, I'm like, he's quicker than me, he's stronger than me, he's like just way better than me. So again, percentages. What can I do to try and get in my favour? So I knew he didn't want to mark over players. He's actually become a lot better at it yeah. uh, in the last couple of years than what he did before that. But So I went and stood sort of 25 metres in front of him and just tried to cut angles. And I knew... I knew that Sam Mitchell could kick left foot, right foot in any way. I knew that Cyril was obviously left foot, but he can hook it back like as a left footer, which most can't, um, the way that he can. I knew that um, that Ruffy was a very up and down straight, wanted to hit that 25-minute target coming at you. I knew Hodge loved kicking it long out into space and, and bringing you onto the ball. So I knew I'd done all that work on those type of guys. Um, in On reflection with my coach, I sat through and I'd, I watched. we watched every one-on-one. I won more than I lost and he kicked eight. <laughs> and it was just, he goes, mate, you couldn't do anything about that. You couldn't do anything about that. Yeah, so I got a vote in the best and fairest okay. when, when I had eight it's a fair effort. game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you remember from when you were a kid, but um, Wayne Kerry, at a similar stage of his career, about third, third or fourth year, Tim Watson was about last last year of his career. Yep. And he did everything and Wayne just took this unbelievable mark and Tim actually put his hands up and went, yeah. I can't do any more. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's, elite, it's elite level sports. What happens you get, sometimes someone's going to be better than us. Yeah nature of the competition so back to the grand final because yep. we want to talk about it obviously um dane uh it, it got in his road he'd already booked his end of season <laughs> trips <laughs> well the bnf was always a friday after the granny so <laughs> everyone usually takes off and then i did so yep it didn't it, you you just worried about the game yeah well we, we actually had um we had shane um O'Bree's wedding in bali about sort of 10 of us oh, so didn't yeah. get an invite to that ralph so, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> we did what we did with the saturday night into the Sunday session, into the Mad Monday. We all left Tuesday and morning. Tuesday we all left. So, yeah, right. we had the wedding Tuesday night, I think it was, for Obes' wedding. So, wow. um, yeah, that was all. That, that was a big week. It was sort of also, though, as much as it was good to be part of a draw and um, and it's a good story and obviously you, it'll never happen Last again. Last one ever, yeah. yeah. Um, I do feel we sort of – you did – Get cheated a little bit, like you weren't around. Yeah, well, to, that's that's to do all the things. That's that the one part I, I don't regret anything. My ups and downs that I've done in footy level made me who I am. That's fine. But the one part I wish we could have a time back is Vegas. Now would still be there, like you know the rest of the, where we we could have had a full week and like actually got up sober and had a lunch, you know, gone to the footy club and actually done some stuff with the other people. It was just get on the Saturday night, fucking go to sleep when you got on the plane Tuesday and you were drunk for the last three days. So it would have been nice of it. Woken up on a Thursday, had a big lunch with the whole group, you know, staff, and actually had some time to think about it and enjoy it instead of just fucking drinking for three days. And then the killer, I guess, the extra on that is that our 10-year reunion still hasn't happened. Yeah. Um, and we've been trying, but COVID put us back a few years. So we'll end up, we'll do that next year. Um, but I guess the good thing for us is we've, from basically four or five years, we've caught up every year until COVID, like, as a group, basically yeah. the majority of them and a lot of staff and that, so... Um, we've, we've pushed that really hard to try and continue that. Who, who covers the bill? Uh, no, it's been uh, it's we've all chipped in actually. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but um, but if Ed wants to, no one stops him. 
Oh, now we'd love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Nice to reach out. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So. so, so the big three there were, were, were Mick, Mick, Bucks, and, and Ed, particularly in the in the first part of your journey there. So, just whatever you want to say about those three individually, Mick. Yeah, well, I mean, um, for me, he was sort of he was the one that gave me a crack and, and gave me an opportunity. So, um, I think what I didn't know at the time, but he was really hard on me and would just give it to me in front of the group at different stages. And I remember I challenged him. Uh, I'd probably played twenty games. I went in on the Monday and challenged him because he was really just went me real hard in front of the group. And um, and I said, look, that was unfair what you said. You said I'm I'm not a team player and all these different things you'd said. And um, it was basically it was half time as a Fremantle game. We lost about hundred points over there. And it was just at me for the like, <laughs> eight minutes that he had it. And I was like, I'm just a kid. And I was like, well, how is this fair? And um, and he goes, yeah, I know. I was like, well, what'd you do it for? And he goes, because how'd you go in the second half? And I said, oh, it doesn't matter. We got pumped. And he goes, no, you went really well. And it's because you knew that um, or I knew the button to press for you is you would have gone, fuck you, I'll show you and go harder and be better. But also if I'm telling you who's the best team man we've got that you're not a team man, I'm sending a message to the rest of the group as well. Yep. So he sort of had used me in a, as, a, as a bit of a pawn, which I didn't know at the time, mm. but because I went and challenged him on it. So he knew which buttons to press on individuals to get the most out of and, it. And I got drilled a couple of times like, you know, you're killing, you're killing your team. I don't know why anyone wants to play with you, Dane. Like, look at this. Like, and I walked out flat, like, you know, like, a bit like, like fuck him, showing him. But then I remember Johnny coming up to me saying, you know what, when he's doing he cares about you. He knows that you can be something. So, you know, I won't know no, but see, see how he never mentions them? It's because they'll be gone at the end of the year. Right. Like, he's actually investing time in you and knows that you can be something and he doesn't want you to waste what you've got where those blokes over here, see, instead of, doesn't say fucking boo to them. Well, they're gone at the end of the year. They're no good. So that that was the hug. I can't remember. That's why they're gone. But um, you know, that's we obviously knew that there was something there and wanted you to to maximise why he was such a great coach. What about those who couldn't take the spray? Uh, no, he he wouldn't give them the spray in front of right. everyone, or he would once realise it didn't work, and then yeah. that was the end of it. So he he prided himself on finding out every little detail about an individuals' history, what makes them tick, what buttons he needed to press, so that he knew he could get the best out of them. Yeah, so, yeah, but he, he took case by case basis. Bucks, whose number you got? If, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was actually on a trip to Vegas. <laughs> he uh, on the plane. He actually said to me, he'd retired, and he said to me, um, "I want you to wear number five. And I was like, "Nah, nah, no way, mate. You're like you're Nathan Buckley. I'm the, <laughs> I'm still trying to find my way." And um, he just sort of explained why he wanted it, how he respected the way I went about it, and all sort of stuff. And and he said, um, if if you don't take it, then um, I'll give it to Pendles or Daisy. I was like, oh, I don't want those fucking boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I was sort of like, well, those two guys are gonna be champions, and they'll get compared to him, whereas I never will. Yep. So I sort of again, I was a little bit like, well, a the respect he's asked for, um, out of respect to him, and b for th- for them to protect him a little bit as well. So um, yeah, I mean, in the end, it's a great honor to do it, and um, it's something you like to pass on and. It's funny because uh, I obviously passed on to Jamie Elliott, uh, and on did you ask him or did he actually came to me? I was I had a I had a short list and he was one of them, and he came to me and asked about it, and um and I was sort of like had to think about it. And I was like, yeah, actually, yeah. I love the way he goes about it and his story and uh, same what I did with Brain Sire. Yes, correct. <laughs> yeah, very yeah, similar. Yeah, very similar. <laughs> yeah, and um, <laughs> isn't it interesting because you obviously personalities are chalk and cheese over here, but Dane's. You know, thoughts are, I don't know what fucking numbers on my back. So I just well, run around and kick the football. Yeah, well, that's right. Whereas some people, yeah. 
obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. It means a lot. Well, it's funny. We went sort of full circle because the Essendon game where Jamie kicked the goal after Siren, that was the first time ever I'd taken my boys to the footy to watch as a supporter. Mm, nice. Oh. Yeah, because been working. Mad Collingwood. Mad, yeah, love yeah. it. So um, it was, I was to sit there with them and um, the Gosh. six goals in front of the start of the game. Mm. How good is this to, oh, no, we're going to get rolled and we're hanging in there, we're hanging in there. And then for him to be the one to kick the goal on a day that it was special for me, mm. um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Where were we so sitting? We're sitting up, up in the nosebleeds. Oh, so yeah, a couple up, of, the yeah, a couple okay. of, up the other end. So oh. I took a couple of um, uh, mates with me with their kids as well and we sort of had a big group of us. But, um, yeah, I texted him afterwards and said, mate, <laughs> thank you for that because uh, <laughs> it, was, it was important that we got that one. Speaking of 36, of course, uh, Harvey, Har- Harvey Harrison, is that his yep. name? Any danger or? Yeah, he's getting close. He was uh, he was emergency probably about five weeks ago and did a hammy. Okay. So, yeah, just yeah, a, like must be a powerful athlete like yeah, him. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He, he's, he's definitely a chance before the season finishes or okay. before, yeah. Well, well, hopefully it's not this week because Dade's got a sporty odd, so he can't come in there. Yeah, no, sure, I'm sure. busy this Friday yeah. night. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can come during the day, but uh, Thursday I'm, I'm, I'm pretty free, yeah. We've, we've had a few... Uh, what yeah, it'll be, it's always on the the captain's run where they actually present them. So. Thursday, yeah, I'm around oh, Thursday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I'm not there anymore, so I couldn't yeah, yeah, tell you whether exactly. he might be miles off. He yeah, might have done true, something yeah. the last couple of weeks. And what was your relationship with Ed like over the journey? Yeah, it was good. I mean, yeah. um, it sort of Ed just would come in and say, well, "What do you need? How you all going?" and give us a pump up and everything occasionally. But um, yeah, he was obviously someone who had a huge influence on the club, and um, I think that that's something that can never get lost. Like uh, there was. Basically, at 31 years old, if you think about what everyone was doing at 31 years old, mm. maybe 30 years old, yeah. he took over the presidency of a failing club that was millions of millions of dollars down, that needed a new coach, et cetera, et cetera, all these things. And um, and he, he turned it around to, yeah. to what it is now. And uh, and a lot of that is just through his his influence um, with, with everyone, with sponsors, with um, politicians to know that, all right, we can get some money to help build the, the Holden Centre or at the time or was it Lexus Centre at the time mm-hmm. AIA Centre now so all those things there's so many levels of his influence that have that have basically saved the club and, and put it in a position of strength yeah I was working with him at the time he, he, um, you talk about the, the supporter who <laughs> takes, <laughs> yeah. takes it a bit seriously oh yeah well, that's yeah. what he's he's the biggest he's Collingwood's biggest fan just happened to be the president yeah mm-hmm. and it was, it was it's funny even sitting um, so the, the Port Adelaide game again I took the boys and I sat more with Collingwood people and I sort of yeah. knew them all, a lot of family and a lot of friends and that type of thing. And they're the real, like, just absolutely love it and, and it does mean the world to them. And, um, and it was interesting just because I'm pretty – I'm not that emotional at it. I'm yep. just sort of, okay, I'm watching the game because I know I can't influence it and, and you try and stay level and even with the boys there as well. So, But it was interesting hearing – how frustrated <laughs> everyone gets and and how insane they go. Um, yeah, it was as experience I haven't had before. So yeah, the last few weeks has been interesting. Oh, oh sure, I was say Ed Pendles because now he's you know he's arguably the, the goat there at the, at the club and yep. seeing his journey through the through the your eyes. Yeah, it's been good. I mean, we never early on we never thought he was going to be the player that he is. Um, it took him a little bit of time. He had some glandular fever and then he had some other injuries and he broke his leg at some stage early as well. So. Um, but obviously, he was someone who was very professional, uh, and we had so him and Daisy were living with Greg Swan, which is uh, uh, in Williamstown. I was in Spotswood at the time, so I'd go down. Um, obviously, I'd bump into Dane all the time. I'd go down to the beach a couple of nights, um, like nine o'clock at night yeah. in the middle of winter, um, just to walk in the water, just a little bit extra professionalism. And um, Dane was only in Yarraville, so we didn't have far yeah. to go, but. Um, just a bit far <laughs> Going underneath the Westgate scared me <laughs> So I'd text uh, 
Pendles and Daisy and yeah. boys and we're going down there better than 15 and Pendles will be there every time. Daisy come probably one in four. <laughs> uh, and But then actually went full circle because we had our, our first child, a little, a little girl, and obviously your nights change as you've experienced mm. them where yes. you are. You, you're cooking food for yourself and you're eating dinner and you're cleaning up and then you, you're feeding them and you're bathing them and then you're trying to get them to bed and then that can take a lot longer at different stages and then finally you sit down on the couch to turn the TV on for a bit of me time and my phone would beep and it'd be Pendles, be at the beach, <coughs> 15 minutes. I'm like, oh, like, I just can't be bothered but I never gave him that out and yes. then so then he's, he's taken me down there. So, um, yeah, it was sort of, you could see early on that he was never, he was going to, no stone unturned. Um and obviously then you just need to keep building your game and improving your game and his knowledge is obviously through the roof as well. So um, I, probably one thing I'm proudest of him is his growth as a leader. Um, I think early on he was one of the best players and it was more about leading by example, whereas as the, the weeks and the years went on, he sort of became someone who realised his influence and realised if he grabs someone and, and challenges them on something... Um, the impact that has on them and that he's going to he's gonna lift their game, not just about being the best player that can lift the people around him. He lifted them through challenging them um, which is, and coaching them, which is something that you obviously see now and you don't even, you don't even see him any differently. But early on, as, he's, as a leader, that was something you obviously had to do a lot of work on and, and obviously, he's, uh, yeah, he's where he is now. Uh, you were both Melbourne Storm veterans? <coughs> yeah. So we actually have <laughs> yes, met many times yes. before on the sidelines. Um, but I've just always had a curiosity about... People that kind of cross codes. I know we saw you do it. Billy Slater's done it across the St Kilda, and we touched on Ralph and I did off air about Clarko was big on the American sports and going over there and really learning from the best in another code and, and finding out what they do and I guess bring it back and applying yep. it. I was just interested in in your journey going from AFL literally across the oval to to the NRL and how you found that and what brought that on. Yeah, well, it was brought on by Craig Bellamy rang me and said, can we have a coffee? And when Craig Bellamy rings, you take, yeah, you say yes, <laughs> yes, you take the call. And uh, he just sort of said to me, look, I'd done a talk from, um, so I retired in 14, so it was the end of 14 was this, and I'd done a talk from about Anzac Day um, about five years wow. before, and he goes, I'd always sort of kept my eye on you <coughs> since then. And I was like, geez, that's interesting. Um, and basically, yeah, he sort of said, we want to run a leadership program. This is what we think. Like, what would you want to do it? And I was like, geez, um, maybe can I sit in your review meetings at the end of that season so I can actually – I don't want to say I can do it if I can't do it. Like it was intimidating going into mm. – like obviously <laughs> one of the greatest clubs culture-wise, performance-wise. So um, I went in and sat in all their reviews and then I presented back to him and it was a little bit different to what he originally said, but I said this is what I think your gaps are and this is what I would do, et cetera. And he goes, yep, love it, let's do it. So – Probably um, there was a few different elements for me. One was obviously we had there was there was Smithy and Bill and Cooper and uh, and Hoff and Hinchy and those guys at the top end that were just they didn't need any help. But when you've got such strong top end leaders, there can be a real gap to your next wave. So a lot of my probably eighty percent of my work was done with the emerging leaders and how to give them responsibility and and understand their influence and do that. So that was sort of something I spent a lot of time with those guys to help guide them, which was. Jesse Bromwich, Dale Finucane, um, Welsh, Kafusi, um, Huge, which are captains now. Yeah, like. Jordan McLean. There's a lot of guys that sort mm. of went on to, to other clubs, which was awesome to see. Um, but probably the one thing that blew me away, I'd never had any experience with Polynesian culture. Mm. So when I first got in there, I was like trying to learn about that. Um, so I had this um, this one incident where the, f- the first round and the opposition play, or sorry, the reserves play in Queensland, you don't see the games, they're not televised or anything like that. 
and I saw a, a kid named Young Tom Mapia, who's a Samoan kid, and uh, mm. I just saw him and I approached him and said, "Oh, Young, how'd you go on the weekend?" And sort of shook hands with him, and um, he he looked straight down at his feet when he was talking to me. And he goes, "Oh yeah, all good, good." And, and and I was like, just didn't. There was no conversation or anything, and I was like, "Holy shit, what did I do? Did I say the wrong thing? Did I approach him the wrong way?" And I was like. I was like, okay, no worries, mate. And sort of pat him on the shoulder and, and moved on. And I couldn't shake it. And all week I'm thinking, what did I do wrong? And I just kept playing it over my mind. I thought, all right, I'm going to try a different approach. So the next week I went and watched his vision for the reserves and he scored a try. So I saw him from the other side of the room. I was like, young, I saw your try, mate. And I'm walking towards him, changing my body language. That was unbelievable. And I like, tried to be, be up front, be exciting and um, – did the Polynesian handshake that fumbled me way through <laughs> that I still wasn't ready for. And I said, mate, what happened? Was that a set play or what, what exactly happened? And he said um, he, he went through it all and I like, was talking about it and showing the passes and the steps and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, mate, that's awesome. Well done, well done. And I said, mate, can I ask you a question? And he's like, yeah, yeah, of course. And I said, look, last week when I approached you, you did, I, did I say the wrong thing or I approached you the wrong way because you looked straight down at your feet and you didn't want to talk to me or, or engage with me and um, I'm still trying to learn and all that. And he's like, oh, no, 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 Nick, no, no. So the village that I come from in Samoa, anyone who's seen you to you, if you look them in the eye, it's a sign of disrespect. So you're to bow your head as a sign of respect to the person you're speaking to. He said, you're senior, you're, I see you as a coach, so you're senior to me. So that's just a habit of bowing my head to someone who's senior. And I was like, mate, in the Australian culture, if I'm not looking you in the eye, then I don't trust you or I think you've got something to hide or I don't respect you, so it's it's different. Um, but then that for me it was like, okay, we need to – look at this we need to dive a bit deeper so I went and sort of spoke to Craig and we ended up running basically with the support of Frank Panisi who's a, who's a jam all the way through we were running Tonga nights Samoa nights Kiwi nights Fiji nights PNG nights like going through all the different details and these guys who wouldn't say anything in a team meeting are getting up and holding the the group for an hour and speaking about their heritage their history where they come from what's important to them their their culture and um, traditions in their culture and all this sort of stuff so it was awesome for, for everyone to get a better understanding and sort of bring us closer together and and then they all came back and went hang on remember Jesse Bromwich stood up and goes Matt we, we need to do an Aussie night because I don't understand half the shit that you guys <laughs> do so um, so I got all the Aussie boys to do a night down in uh, down Geelong at the camp and I remember everyone was locked outside the door and so we're like oh, come on boys come on we've got to start so we opened the door, walk in, and everyone who walked in was given a sausage and bread and a can of beer <laughs> just to start it off. So, um, yeah, it was good. It was good. And it had sort of those little things I think are really important, even more so now you talk about in, in workplaces to understand because more people are coming from, from overseas and they're trying to embed themselves in Australian culture and you, you need to understand what makes them tick and et cetera. So I think it's a big part that a lot of businesses are actually missing now and aren't, aren't tapping into. Well, yeah, I know, as in you've just left Collingwood, but Neville Jetta yep. gone across there and uh, I remember talking to him at the Coterie when he was injured one day and he was explaining about the Indigenous guys getting together and straight afterwards he finished and then the Coterie guys got up and said, right, we'll sponsor your lunch catch-up just because, you know, and we want to learn more as well. Yeah. And, and that's probably been the evolution in Indigenous football, isn't it, Now That now, you know, I remember what well, Jeff Farmer spoke about, but uh, unfortunately um, Liam Jarrah, the club and the AFL wasn't at the time set up to embrace that. And yep. now that's where that's where footy's improved so much, hasn't it? Yeah, for sure. And Nev's just an absolute ripper. Like yeah. we're, we're loving him. We actually tried to get him as a player over the last couple of years in trades. I, I remember sitting in on list management meetings. But, um, yeah, he's just been – he's had a huge influence, not only on the Indigenous guys but on everyone there. Um, but obviously the, the questions around the Indigenous boys. And I think um, for us it's just – you're probably – 
it's getting an understanding, but at the same time, it's also what are the, what's the detail around that and what does it look like? And so I remember I said to him, I said, mate, can you give me an example of um, day-to-day when you feel um, you feel that burden of, of racism? Because it's, it's so hard for me to actually get a real understanding of it. And he goes, yeah, I'll give you an example. Every time I walk into the supermarket with my wife, we've both got our list, we go our separate ways, and the security guard follows me around. I was like, are you kidding me? And he's like, nah. Every single time. I was like, fucking hell, okay. Um, yes, okay, I understand. Yep. Like, it's just it's, it's something none of us have ever had to comprehend. Mm. But imagine someone walking 10 metres behind you just double-checking, like, how uncomfortable that makes you feel. And, yeah, it's uh, something like that. And that's he goes, that's one example. Do you, yep. want me, do you want me to keep going? And I was like, no, nah, it's like that makes me under, – it puts your head on my shoulders. So I, I think that they're the questions we have to continue to ask to get a better understanding of uh, of the casual racism stuff that we don't really see because you say, oh, you're not racist because you don't use racist terms or you, you're mates with people who are either Indigenous or from, from other cultures. But when those type of details come out, that's where you go, holy shit. Like imagine yeah. having to deal with that every minute of your life, not just when you go to the supermarket. Yeah, well, we – and if, if – but people haven't heard Leon Davis last year on our show. I thoroughly recommend. Mm, I don't know if you did. You hear him? I have heard a lot of it. Yeah, I didn't hear it on here though. Yeah, yeah, on, on here. And I don't know about you, Swanee, but even some of the things he was saying, it was, it was yeah, making our heads heads roll off. The, yeah, the, the feedback we got. Yeah, it's like we're um, whereas we don't think about that stuff's going on because, like Max said, we just you know we're white privilege, I guess, and we just float around and just don't we don't observe that stuff going on because we're Impervious, so we just fucking walk around and just think life's dandy, but yeah. it's it's obviously not for you know f- for a lot of people, and it's it's horrible. Yeah, um, what'd you learn about GWS? Of just actually being in a different club, that that would have actually been good for you as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, I loved it. I was really keen to go to another club and just find out how they do it because I'd been yeah. only been at one place, so um, it was uh, it was awesome to see. There's just so many good people. So that, that's the other thing you think when you play against opposition players and that and. Your, your job is to kill each other and beat each other. So you're obviously not great mates on the field or anything like that, but you go to another club and they're still all, they're all great people. So yeah. um, that was probably the first thing that hit me. Second thing was they were just very close, like lost two prelims. Uh, sorry, lost, yeah, two prelims years that I was there. So lost to the Bulldogs by five points in that famous one um, in 2016. Then 2017 lost to... Actually, it might have been the, no the grand final. Yeah, we lost. Yeah, we lost the grand final. Yeah, that was nineteen. Seventeen, you lost to the Tigers in the prelim. In the prelim, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, Dylan Shield got knocked out earlier. Yeah, so, yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it was just good to see great people around, and and obviously they had a lot of challenges in trying to keep players there. But then also your list, your list management. You talk about um, American sport, the the buying low and selling high, and and they can do it whenever they want. You can only do it at the end of the season in AFL. So yep. um, it's a real challenge to continually tip out certain players that are on big money, but also the player has all the control, which is different to the NFL um, where you can basically trade them at any time um, as long as the, the two clubs agree on what those <laughs> terms are. So, um, But if the player says, no, nah, I'm not going, then you're like, well, I can't. Do you think it should go that way in the NFL? Well, I, I, I'm not sure if it should be the whole box and dice, but at the moment it's sort of at, a, at an area where the player has too much control because the player can just say, no, nah, I'm not going. So I don't I don't have an answer for what it should be. I, I don't like like our AFL players don't get paid enough to pack up everything and their kids yes. who are in school and all that and just be sent to another state. 
because um, obviously that's a big change and life change. Whereas when I mean these guys you're talking about are, are on minimum five ten mil a year, so it's obviously very different. And their season's so small and their commitment's so small compared to AFL um, in terms of their year. So I'm not sure exactly what the answer is, but I do feel right now there is too much. It's gone too much in the way of the players. And it needs to swing back somehow towards the clubs because we're seeing more and more clubs now. Um, it's harder to get back off the bottom because yeah. you can just keep cherry picking who's down there. So which means it's easier to stay at the top because, and, and then sometimes you've got those clubs who sit in the middle, and that's where a lot of some supporters. Again, we talked about supporters earlier. Sometimes you just want to go. I'd rather we either bottom out, bottom out, and start again, or top up because at the moment we're just sitting in this middle tier and we're not getting anywhere. Mm. And it's, yeah. that would be the most frustrating thing ever. Just mm. like we think we're one player away or two players away, but you can never get those one or two players that help you make that leap. You're saying that. Uh, remember Benny Graham when he came in, when he, he went out to get the team photo at the New York mm. Jets, and they said, "Actually, don't." <laughs> was it four, was it, it was four times in four weeks or something. Yeah. 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 He, uh, he was at the Jets and then he, he was the only um, kicker that was on the free agency that had a passport because it was a game in London. So he had to go across and play in that. He came back and he got sacked and then <laughs> someone else got injured. So uh, again, e- even with those, like I'd love... Like, so right now we talked about um, earlier, if you lost a couple of key players, yep. uh, the, that can throw your whole year. Everything you've done to now, it can be all over. It'd be awesome to be able to see the um, NRL right now. The Melbourne Storm have obviously had good season and then these injuries in the last month have really killed them, but they've been able to actually get players on loan. I'd love to see some sort of system like that because, yeah. um, I mean, right now you look at Collingwood, you go, well, you've got genuinely Cox, Cameron or Grundy who could all be your ruckman. Um, if, if a team, if if Gorn went down and you're a Melbourne supporter, Gorn went down and, um, and Jackson went down, well, imagine you could just go, right, we'll, we'll borrow one of them for the rest of the year. Yeah. And, and Collingwood tactically might go, nah, go get stuffed. Or they might go, you know what, if the deal's good enough, yeah, we will do that. So yeah. it'd be great to be able to – that your whole your whole season, because you talk about supporters who, who run the game basically, they're the most important ones. Your whole season can be flipped on its head, just like Carlton had three bad injuries on the weekend. So just from – that's one, a shame. One, yeah, <laughs> just from one game. So I think it would be great to have some sort of loan deal maybe um, where the clubs that are down the bottom can loan someone for the last six or eight weeks of the season. They get a little sweetener for that, yep. but at the same time, they don't lose a player for it. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, thanks so much for coming in. What's life for you now? Yeah, I've just gone in a new role, CEO of a company called E-Class. So um, we've got 52... Uh, E-Class like Mercedes e- or... No, E-Clar, e, so E-C-L-A-T, Silent yeah. T. Um, <laughs> with uh, eclar.com. We've got uh, 52 offices in Hawthorne, curated office spaces and meeting rooms. So if you're, if you're out in the east of Melbourne and, and need an office space, we've got that. But we've also got a members-only bar, restaurant, cafe, dining room, podcast studio. So I might have to uh, sneak you guys yeah. in there for, yes. for, a, uh, for a few sessions. Uh, and event space. So, um, again, even if you're, you're someone who, instead of going to meet in cafe to meet someone, you can actually go and meet with us. Um, we've got an on site gym and everything as well so we sort of um, give a lot of value for money for our members so so there's a way the world's changed as in like less people going to the city working from home does Correct. that help or hinder you your nah, business it's helped us a lot so right. um yeah we sort of we'd the idea is many years in the making and we've done a lot of work on it but um yeah COVID actually helped um get everyone else's mind around what we're actually doing so um the flexible working thing and people working from home um we're, we're sort of in the sweet spot for that because you can go in 
work in the office when you need to, go home when you need to, but then not lose the culture of missing out on events and being able to um, attend all the extras that come with uh, a good workplace. And how do we find you? Where are you? Where Well, uh, eclart.com, E-C-L-A-T.com. Check it out and, uh, yeah, hit us up if you'd like, if you're interested. Terrific. Would you like to thank your premiership, Captain? Thanks for coming down, Nick. It's terrific. (laughs) Thank you for having (laughs) me. No worries, mate. I'll see you at the reunion next year. And I'll uh, I'll make sure I get that letter out to to Sportsbet so I can uh, follow your tips. Yeah, thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.